Did you know that whenever you use a website, you give them permission to track what you do online? If you keep the tab open, they can see what you do and create a digital footprint of you. Well, with Surfshark Antivirus, not only will you never have to worry about downloading any risky files, but all of your web browsing will be protected, guaranteeing that you can search freely without leaving any digital footprint, and guaranteeing that you can't be tracked online. If you feel like your online protection should be better, use the link in the description and episode notes to get 76% off Surfshark Antivirus today, and feel safe every day on your devices. We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well, did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get Incogni today for $6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Welles, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Grapes of Wrath by John Steinbeck Chapter 2 A huge red transport truck stood in front of the little roadside restaurant. The vertical exhaust pipe muttered softly, and an almost invisible haze of steel-blue smoke hovered over its end. It was a new truck, shining red, and in 12-inch letters on its side, Oklahoma City Transport Company. Its double tyres were new, and a brass padlock stood straight out from the hasp on the big black doors. Inside the screened restaurant, a radio played, quiet dance music, turned low in the way it is when no one's listening. A small outlet fan turned silently in its circular hole over the entrance, and flies buzzed excitedly about the doors and windows, butting the screens. Inside, one man, the truck driver, sat on a stool and rested his elbows on the counter, and looked over his coffee at the lean and lonely waitress. He talked the smart, listless language of the roadside to her. I seen him about three months ago. He had an operation. He cut something out. I forget what. And she doesn't seem no longer than a week I seen him myself. Looked fine then. He's a nice sort of guy when he ain't stinko. Now and then, the flies roared softly at the screen door. The coffee machine spurted steam, and the waitress, without looking, reached behind her and shut it off. Outside, a man walking along the edge of the highway crossed over and approached the truck. He walked slowly to the front of it, put his hand on the shiny fender, and looked at the No Riders sticker on the windshield. For a moment, he was about to walk on down the road, 
but instead he sat on the running board on the side away from the restaurant. He was not over thirty. His eyes were very dark brown, and there was a hint of brown pigment in his eyeballs. His cheekbones were high and wide, and strong, deep lines cut down his cheeks in curves beside his mouth. His upper lip was long, and since his teeth protruded, the lips stretched to cover them. For this man kept his lips closed. His hands were hard, with broad fingers and nails as thick and rigid as little clamshells. The space between the thumb and the forefinger and the hands of his hands were shiny with callus. The man's clothes were new, all of them, cheap, and new. His grey cap was so new that the visor was still stiff, and the buttons still on, not shapeless and bulged as it would be when it had served for a while all the various purposes of a cap. Carrying sack, towel, handkerchief. His suit was of cheap grey hard cloth, and so new that there were creases in the trousers. His blue chamfered shirt was stiff and smooth with filler. The coat was too big, the trousers too short. For he was a tall man. The coat shoulder peaks hung down on his arms, and even then the sleeves were too short, and the front of the coat flapped loosely over his stomach. He wore a pair of new tan shoes, the kind called army last, hobnailed and with half circles like horseshoes to protect the edges of the heels from wear. This man sat on the running board and took off his cap and mopped his face with it. Then. He put the cap on, and by pulling, started the future ruin of the visor. His feet caught his attention. He leaned down and loosened the shoelaces, and did not tie the ends again. Over his head, the exhaust of the diesel engine whispered in puffs of blue smoke. The music stopped in the restaurant, and a man's voice spoke from the loudspeaker. But the waitress did not turn him off, for she didn't know the music had stopped. Her exploring fingers found a lump under her ear. She was trying to see it in a mirror behind the counter without letting the truck driver know, so she pretended to push a bit of hair into neatness. The truck driver said, "There was a big dance in Shawnee. I heard somebody got killed or something. You hear anything?" "No," said the waitress as she lovingly fingered the lump under her ear. Outside, the seated man stood up and looked over the cowl of the truck. And watched the restaurant for a moment. Then he settled back on the running board, pulled a sack of tobacco and a book of papers from his side pocket. He rolled a cigarette slowly and perfectly, studied it, smoothed it. At last he lighted it and pushed the burning match into the dust at his feet. The sun cut into the shade of the truck as noon approached. In the restaurant, the truck driver paid his bill. And put his two nickels change in the slot machine. The whirling cylinders gave him no score. They fix 'em so you can't win nothing," he said to the waitress. And she replied, "Got took the jackpot not two hours ago. Three eighty he got. How soon you gonna be back by?" He held the screen door a little open. "Wake ten days," he said. Gotta make a run to Tulsa. Ain't never get back soon's I think. She said crossly, "Don't let the flies in. Either go out or come in." So long, he said, 
and pushed his way out. The screen door banged behind him. He stood in the sun, peeling the wrapper from a piece of gum. He was a heavy man, broad in the shoulders, thick in the stomach. His face was red, and his blue eyes long and slitted from having squinted always at sharp light. He wore army trousers and high-laced boots. Holding the stick of gum in front of his lips, he called through the screen, Well, don't do nothing you don't want me to hear about. The waitress was turned toward a mirror on the back wall. She grunted a reply. The truck driver gnawed down the stick of gum slowly, opening his jaws and lips wide with each bite. He shaped the gum in his mouth, rolled it under his tongue while he walked back to the big red truck. The hitchhiker stood up and looked across through the windows. Could you give me a lift, mister? The driver looked quickly back at the restaurant for a second. Didn't you see the no rider sticker on the windshield? Sure, I've seen it. But sometimes, a guy will be a good guy, even if some rich bastard makes him carry a sticker. The driver, getting slowly into the truck, considered the parts of this answer. If he refused now, not only was he not a good guy, but he was forced to carry a sticker, was not allowed to have company. If he took the hitchhiker, he was automatically a good guy, and, and also, he was not one of whom any rich bastard could kick around. He knew he was being trapped, but he couldn't see a way out. And he wanted to be a good guy. He glanced again at the restaurant, scrunched down on the running board till we get round the band, he said. The hitchhiker flopped down out of sight and clung to the door handle. The motor roared up for a moment, the gears clicked in, and the great truck moved away. First gear, second gear, third gear, and then a high whining pickup and fourth gear. Under the clinging man, the highway blurred dizzily by. It was a mile to the first turn in the road. Then the truck slowed down. The hitchhiker stood up, eased the door open, and slipped into the seat. The driver looked over at him, slitting his eyes, and he chewed as though thoughts and impressions were being sorted and arranged by his jaw before they were finally filed away in his brain. His eyes began at the new cap, moved down the new clothes to the new shoes. The hitchhiker squirmed his back against the seat in comfort, took off his cap, and swabbed his sweating forehead and chin with it. Thanks, buddy, he said. The darks was pooped out. No shoes, said the driver. His voice had the same quality of secrecy and insinuation his eyes had. You oughtn't to take no walk and no shoes. Hot weather. The hiker looked down at the dusty yellow shoes. Didn't have no other shoes, he said. Guy gotta wear em if you got no others. The driver squinted judiciously ahead and built up the speed of the truck a little. Going far? Ah, uh-uh. I'd have walked her if my dogs wasn't pooped out. The questions of the driver had the tone of a subtle examination. He seemed to spread nets, to set traps with his questions. Looking for a job? he asked. No, my old man's got a place, 40 acres. He's a cropper, but we've been there a long time. The driver looked significantly at the fields along the road, where the corn was fallen sideways and the dust was piled on it. Little flints shoved through the dusty soil. 
The driver said, as though to himself, A forty-acre cropper and he ain't been dusted out and he ain't been tracted out? Course, I ain't heard lately, said the hitchhiker. Long time, said the driver. A bee flew into the cab and buzzed in the back of the windshield. The driver put out his hand and carefully drove the bee into an airstream that blew it out of the window. Cropper's gone fast now, he said. One cat takes and shoves ten families out. Cattle over hill now. Tear in and shove the croppers out. How's your old man hold on? His tongue and his jaw became busy with the neglected gum, turned it, and chewed it. With each opening of his mouth, his tongue could be seen flipping the gum over. Well, I ain't heard lately. I never was no hand to write, nor my old man neither. He added quickly, but both of us can if we won't. Been doing a job? Again, the secret investigating casualness. He looked out over the fields at the shimmering air, and gathering his gum into his cheek out of the way, he spat out the window. Sure have, said the hitchhiker. Thought so. I seen your hands, been swinging a pickaxe or a sledge. That shines up your hands. I notice all stuff like that. Take a pride in it. The hitchhiker stared at him. The truck tires sang on the road. Like to know anything else? I'll tell you. You ain't got to guess. Now don't get sore. I wasn't getting nosy. I'll tell you anything. I ain't hiding nothing. Now don't get sore. I just like to notice things. Makes the time pass. I'll tell you anything. Name's Joe. Tom Joe. Old man's old Tom Joe. His eyes rested broodingly on the driver. Don't get sore. I didn't mean nothing. I don't mean nothing neither, said Jode. I'm just trying to get along without shoving nobody around. He stopped and looked out at the dry fields, at the starved tree clumps hanging uneasily in the heated distance. From his side pocket, he brought out his tobacco and papers. He rolled his cigarette down between his knees where the wind could not get at it. The driver chewed as rhythmically, as thoughtfully, as a cow. He waited to let the whole emphasis of the preceding passage disappear and be forgotten. At last, when the air seemed neutral again, he said, A guy that never been in a truck skinner don't know nothing what it's like. Owners don't want us to pick up nobody, so we gotta sit here and just skinner along. Lest we want to take a chance of getting fired like I just done with you. Appreciate it said Jode. I know guys that done screwy things while they're driving trucks. I remember guys used to make up poetry. Pass the time. He looked over, secretly, to see whether Jode was interested or amazed. Jode was silent, looking into the distance ahead, along the road, along the white road that waved gently, like a ground swell. The driver went on at last, I remember a piece of poetry this guy here wrote down. It was about him and a couple other guys going all over the world, drinking, raising hell, and screwing around. I wished I could remember how the piece went. This guy had words in it that Jesus H. Christ wouldn't know what they meant. Part was like this. And there we spied a nigger with a trigger that was bigger than the elephant's proboscis on the wanger of a whale. That proboscis is a nose-like. With an elephant, it's his trunk. Guy showed me a dictionary. 
carried that dictionary all over hell with him. He looked in it while he pulled up getting his pie and coffee. He stopped, feeling lonely in the long speech. His secret eyes turned on the passenger. Jode remained silent. Nervously, the driver tried to force him into participation. Ever know a guy that said big words like that? Preacher, said Jode. Well, it makes you mad to hear a guy use big words. Of course, with a preacher it's alright because nobody would fool around with a preacher anyway. But this guy was funny. You didn't give a damn when he used big words because he just done it for ducks. He wasn't putting on no dog. The driver was reassured. He knew that at least Jode was listening. He swung the great truck round the bend and all the tires shrilled. Like I was saying, he continued, guy that drives the truck does screwy things. He got to. He'd go nuts just sitting here and the rogues sneaking under the wheels. Fella says once that truck skinners eat all the time. All the time in hamburger joints along the road. Sure seem to live there, Jode agreed. Sure they stop, but ain't to eat. They ain't hardly ever eat. They're just goddamn sick of going. Yet sick of it. Joint is the only place you can pull up, and when you stop you gotta buy something so you can sling the bull with the brawl behind the counter. So, you get a cup of coffee and a piece of pie. Kind of gives a guy a little rest. He chewed his gum, slowly, and turned it with his tongue. Must be tough, said Jode, with no emphasis. The driver glanced at him, quickly, looking for satire. Well, it ain't no goddamn cinch, he said, testily. Looks easy, just sitting here, till you put in your eight, or maybe ten or fourteen hours. But road gets to a guy. He gotta do something. Some sings and some whistles. Company won't let us have no radio. A few takes a pint along, but them kind don't stick long. He said the last smugly. I don't ever take a drink till I'm through. Yeah? Joe asked. Yeah, I got got to get ahead. Why, I'm thinking of taking one of them correspondence school courses. Mechanical engineering. It's easy, just study a few easy lessons at home. I'm thinking of it. Then I won't drive no truck. Then I'll tell other guys to drive trucks. Joe took a pint of whiskey from his side coat pockets. Sure, you won't have a snort? His voice was teasing. No, by God, I won't touch it. A guy can't drink liquor all the time and study like I'm going to. Jode uncorked the bottle, took two quick swallows, recorked it, and put it back in his pocket. The spicy, hot smell of the whiskey filled the cab. You're all wound up, said Jode. What's the matter? Got a girl? Well, sure, but I want to get ahead anyway. I've been training my mind for a hell of a long time. The whiskey seemed to loosen Jode up. He rolled another cigarette and lighted it. I ain't got a hell of a lot further to go, he said. The driver went on, quickly. I don't need no shot, he said. I train my mind all the time. I took a course in that two years ago. He patted the steering wheel with his right hand. Suppose I pass a guy on the road. I look at him, and after I'm passed, I try to remember everything about him. Kind of clothes and shoes and hat, and maybe how tall and what weight and any scars. I do it pretty good. I can just make a whole picture in my head. 
Sometimes I think I ought to take a course to be a fingerprint expert. You'd be surprised how much a guy can remember. Joe took a quick drink from the flask. He dragged the last smoke from his raveling cigarette, and then, with a calloused thumb and forefinger, crushed out the glowing end. He rubbed the butt to a pulp and put it out the window, letting the breeze suck it from his fingers. The big tyres sang a high note on the pavement. Jode's dark, quiet eyes became amused as he started along the road. The driver waited and glanced uneasily over. At last, Jode's long upper lip grinned from his teeth and he chuckled silently. His chest jerked with the chuckles. You sure take a hell of a long time to get to it, buddy. The driver did not look over. Get to what? How do you mean? Jode's lips stretched tight over his long teeth for a moment, and he licked his lips like a dog. Two licks, one in each direction from the middle. His voice became harsh. You know what I mean. You give me a going over when I first got in. I seen you. The driver looked straight ahead, gripped the wheels so tightly that the pads of his palms bulged, and the back of his hand paled. Jode continued. You know where I come from? The driver was silent. Don't you? Jode insisted. Well, sure. That is, maybe. But it ain't none of my business. I mind my own yard. It ain't nothing to me. The words tumbled out now. I don't stick my nose in nobody's business. And suddenly, he was silent and waiting. His hands were still white on the wheel. A grasshopper flipped through the window and lighted on top of the instrument panel, where it sat and began to scrape its wings with its angled jumping legs. Jode reached forward and crushed its hard, skull-like head with his fingers, and he let it into the windstream out the window. Jode chuckled again while he brushed the bits of broken insect from his fingertips. You got me wrong, mister, he said. I ain't keeping quiet about it. Sure, I've been in McAllister. I've been there four years. Sure, these is the clothes they give me when I come out. I don't give a damn who knows it. And I'm going to my old man's place so I don't need to lie to get a job. The driver said, Well, that ain't no my business. I ain't a nosy guy. The hell you ain't, said Jude. That big old nose of yours has been sticking eight miles out of your face. You had that big nose going over me like a sheep in a vegetable patch. The driver's face tightened. You got me all wrong, he began weakly. Jode laughed at him. You been a good guy. You give me a lift. Well, hell, I done time. So what? You want to know what I done time for, don't you? That ain't none of my affair. Nothing ain't none of your affair except skinning this bull bitch along. And that's at least the thing you work at. Now look, see that road up ahead? Yeah. Well, I get off there. Sure, I know you're wet in your pants to know what I'd done. I ain't a guy to let you down. The high hum of the motor dulled, and the song of the tyres dropped in pitch. Jode got out his pint and took another short drink. The truck drifted to a stop, where a dirt road opened at right angles to the highway. Jode got out and stood beside the cab window. The vertical exhaust pipe puttered up its barely visible blue smoke. Jode leaned towards the driver. Homicide, he said quickly. 
That's a big word. Means I killed a guy. Seven years. I'm sprung in four for keeping my nose clean. The driver's eyes slipped over Jode's face to memorize it. I ain't never asked you nothing about it, he said. I'm at my own yard. You can tell about it in every joint from here to Texola, he smiled. So long, fella. You've been a good guy. But look, when you've been in a stir a little while, you can smell a question coming from head of breakfast. You telegraphed yours first time you opened your trap. He spat at the metal door with the palm of his hand. Thanks for the lift, he said. So long. He turned away and walked into the dirt road. For a moment, the driver stared after him, and then he called, Look! Jode waved his hand without looking around. Then the motor roared up, and the gears clicked, and the great red truck rolled heavily away. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, bye-bye.